DSIA tracks the financial performance of 50 of the largest technology solution providers on the planet in an index called the TNS 50. Microsoft, Cisco, Oracle are among the companies that make up this index. In Q3 of 2008, companies in the TNS 50 generated almost $160 billion in product revenues, selling technology as an asset the customer buys. Why are we highlighting that quarter? Because that was the quarter product revenues peaked in this index. In Q4 of 2020, companies in the TNS index posted product revenues of just a little over 80 billion. For the past 12 years, product revenues have been shrinking for the largest technology providers on the planet. Where or where will the growth come from? I'm Thomas Law, the Executive Director of the Technology and Services Industry Association. Welcome to the third episode of our 10-part series titled, The Have and Have-Nots of the Technology Industry. In this episode, we are going to explore the topic of robust as-a-service revenues. And for those listeners not familiar with TSIA, we are a for-profit research institute. Uh, as, as you heard, we track the financial performance of the largest publicly traded technology providers on the planet. But more importantly, we perform deep operational benchmarking with the technology companies that are on the TSIA platform. It is that data that informs the insights you will hear in this series. For today's episode, I wanna bring in George Humphrey to join me. George, uh, can you introduce yourself for our now loyal listeners? <laughs> sure thing, thanks for having me, Thomas. Uh, so at TSIA, I lead the research practices in what we call our services and delivery domain. So George, you and I are always sharing interesting business articles back and forth. And lots of the articles are related to the financial results of tech companies because uh, basically you and I are financial wonks. We <laughs> love researching how technology companies make their money. Yeah, so I'm definitely guilty as charged. I was one of the original, I think, TS50 fanboys when you started this way back when. And I can remember when I was working at a technology company, going through my company's painful transformations, when I, I first heard your TS50, it was all the way back in 2012, and my whole reaction was, holy cow, they are telling my story. And it was a bit comforting and, and scary at the same time because I realized I was not alone. And the patterns and the data and the issues I saw in the TS50 were alarming to me and made me realize this was an index I needed to pay attention to. Yeah, you know, that's exactly why we started that index because there are really clear patterns that have presented them, you know, themselves in that data uh, over the years. Um, and, and so let's go to, to the more recent financial news here, right? So, th so this recent article caught my eye in the Wall Street Journal and it's titled, Oracle's low bar is rising. And, and here are some of the highlights from the article. So Oracle posted 3% revenue growth year over year, which, you know, that's pretty anemic compared to SaaS companies in another index we have, TSIA Cloud 40, where those companies grow anywhere from, you know, 15 to 20% year over year. Um, but the article says that analysts were excited by this 3% growth. Why? Well, here's a quote from one of the analysts covering Oracle. 
We believe the good cloud products are now big enough to offset the headwinds from the dwindling products. And then, and finally, the Wall Street Journal reporter who wrote the article states that Oracle's current reporting methodology makes its cloud business hard to decipher. So I know you also read this article. Tell me, what were some of the things you took away from it? Yeah, I, I have to tell you, I am a huge fan of reading the narratives of these quarterly earnings announcements and reports because you can see the data for these companies uh, and what they're reporting. And then you can listen to the words that the leadership is saying and also hear some of the challenges and, and maybe not enough challenges from the analyst community. But I, the first thing I got to tell you is I am not a personal fan of Oracle's reporting methodology and it's fundamentally misleading. And I see this over and over again. And a lot of these traditional non-board in the cloud or legacy types of providers. And what they tend to do is they tend to lump old school revenues such as maintenance in with emerging revenues like as a service. And then they say to the street, hey, look at me, look at all this recurring revenue growth that I have. And, and so, you know, Oracle, they really are in good company here. But the analysts have gotten better over the years at understanding that there is a difference between maintenance revenues and, and as a service revenues. And that's why you start hearing comments from analysts like the good cloud products are now big enough. You know, that analyst right there, they're clear that not all recurring revenues are created equal. But the main observation is that growth is returning to Oracle because of as-a-service revenues. So they're really growing in spite of the erosion and of the traditional business lines. And it's not, it's not just SaaS. This is cloud infrastructure. It's hardware as a service. And companies uh, like Oracle, just like HPE and Dell and Cisco, are all going on this same journey. And Oracle is migrating those on-premises customers to cloud infrastructure. However, the spider senses should be tingling with the latest quarterly earnings report. Uh, so again, the company grew at 3%, which you're right, that's anemic growth. I don't know anybody that wakes up in the morning and says, gee, I hope we grow 3% this year. Um, but their cloud business is only growing at 5%. And so in the latest report, one of the analysts said, there are growth headwinds facing Oracle. And, and we see that it's, it's an iterative process and it's a two step forward, one step backwards for a lot of these legacy companies. Yeah, and, and again, I, th I just think, you know, we, we all learn so much, as you said, really clicking in and seeing what the analysts are, are asking at the, at the earnings call, how the executives are, are, are talking about it. And, and I just want to clarify for our, our listeners, you use the term legacy provider, which at, at TSIA we use a lot. And just so our listeners understand what we mean, a legacy technology provider was selling technology before the cloud was a real thing. They are the opposite of born in the cloud technology companies. So it is the, you know, the oracles of the world and the Dells and HPEs, um, et cetera. Um, but, but I think that the analyst concerns related to Oracle's growth um, highlight the fact that many large legacy technology companies have struggled with growth, right? As we see in the TNS 50. And our assertion, right, for the know, at least the past five years, is that none of these legacy companies are going to start growing unless they have new as-a-service revenue streams. 
Um, but, but I mean, you and I both hear a common refrain from legacy, you know, technology companies that say, you know, look, our products are on premise, they're unconnected. Uh, we, you know, we don't really even have an as a service revenue play. But you know, we vehemently disagree with that position. In fact, you and I collaborated on a paper called "Your Mess for More." <laughs> can Can you review some of the key points of that paper? Yeah, sure thing. So, you know, in that paper. And I can't tell you, by the way, since we published that paper, how many companies have gravitated towards that. And, and the paper lays out three factors that are creating the current chasm faced by premises-based technology providers. So, so number one, what are those traits? First one is, is the technologies on site. Cloud-based technology providers, they have incredible customer telemetry because all their customers are on a platform run by the provider. They have this high level of visibility. And, and this includes things like when the customer's buying technology, uh, what, what uh, features they're using in it, what capabilities are available and so on. And when stuff is sold on-prem and it's not connected, then there's a challenge with visibility. And so that leads to the second trait where the technology is not adequately connected. And I, I did a, a recent quick poll that revealed some pretty interesting information. And the reality is, is that today's legacy technology is not engineered for this type of serviceability and opera, operatability. And only 13% of technology providers have a dedicated budget for the non-functional capabilities in their technology products. Those non-functional capabilities are all the abilities, service ability, scalability, et cetera. And so, you know, this is a real challenge. On-premise technology can, can be enabled to phone home and that capability has been leveraged for years by support organizations. But the most common frustration that we hear from services organizations within these legacy companies is that the telemetry they have access to is anemic. It's not rich enough and robust enough to unlock the attributes described in the previous you know, thing that we were just talking about. And, and so really how much time are your product engineers spending thinking about what they unlock with remote serviceability and remote manageability? And then the last trait here, and this, this really is a big one, and, and that's that the technology has classically been sold by the reseller channel. And this last factor, it's really salt in the wound for legacy technology companies. The channel has always been an incredible asset for companies selling on-premises technology. And, and the channel enabled scale, it enabled volume of technology distribution. But now, you know, that now that the asset is becoming a liability, that's a real challenge. So when product is sold through the channel, the product can lose critical visibility. You know, who bought the product? Where is it actually installed? Who's using it? How are they using it? Are they still even using it? And so whoever claims ownership of the customer, and that's typically that channel partner, is the one that dictates who gets allowed access to all of that really important, insightful telemetry and information. Uh, however, technology providers that are facing these challenges, they simply can't shrug their shoulders and walk away 
they got to have a path forward. And, and in that paper, we actually outline a path titled Your Mess for More. So you think about it as services started to eat some of the technical complexity in these solutions, many of these providers created things like managed services and the value proposition was your mess for less. Give us your tired, your poor, your hungry, and they're really creating a self-inflicted wound and, and undervaluing what they can provide. So if a company goes on the path of your less for more, they actually keep a majority of the offers running on premise. And there are lots of reasons this may be a requirement of the marketplace. However, the technology provider makes two key investments on this path. Number one is they have to invest deliberate investment in connectivity and robust customer telemetry. They also really should be investing in these managed services offers, transferring some of the day-to-day -day operational complexity from the customer back onto themselves. And so again, the provider provides the complete solution. So on this path, the technology provider is willing to operate on-premises equipment for the customer. However, this is not the traditional your mess for less outsourcing like I just referenced. These offers are designed to unlock business value for the customer. And what are some examples? Things like more utilization of capabilities, more value realization, more employee productivity, a higher degree of security and more system uptime. I can remember when companies first started moving to the cloud and there was this myth that it was a less secure environment or that they might be compromising uptime. And the reality is actually proving to be the opposite. So these next generation managed providers, they're creating offers that have some or all of TSI's great eight attributes of compelling as a service offers. And these are attributes like operational simplicity, pay as you need or some consumption-based uh, solutioning. So I recommend all of our technology listeners read that paper. So George, you put a lot on the table there on this. And I just want to play back, you know, some of the assertions here, right? So, so again, I mean, we do know a lot of technology companies who, who have these attributes saying, look, my stuff's on site. It ain't connected. And by the way, a lot of it was sold by channel partners. So I don't even know where it is. Right. And so so they, you know, they're sort of shrugging their, their shoulders and, and you're saying, look, you know, you, you cannot just accept that reality. You've got to invest in getting your your technology connected and you've got to start building new you know, different types of value propositions around that on premise technology. And, and I love this concept of your mess for more and, and that path. Right, of building those types of services where you can take on the customer's operational complexity and deliver more value, um, it, it fits perfectly into this main theme of this session, which it which is new as a service offers are critical for top line growth. Even if you are currently sitting on an install base of stupid products tucked somewhere on the customer site. And the path forward for many legacy technology providers are new managed service offers, right? Wrapped around the legacy on-prem products. What is your favorite line again? Well, so my favorite line is managed services are the fastest growing revenue stream in tech. Managed services for the past nine months have actually outpaced the growth rate of even cloud-based solutions. So if companies really are struggling with growth, They've got two major paths forward. They've got as a service offers, 
and they've got managed services offers. And our managed services benchmark database is actually showing some really revealing insights here. We have some members growing managed services well over triple digits, and that outpaces that 3% growth rate uh, that we talked about earlier that we're seeing in the TS50 companies from the last quarter. And robust managed services revenues equal robust as a service revenues. And so one more major stat to think about right now, and that's that a third of all managed services revenue is coming from a category we call managed as a service. And especially for these legacy companies, they're starting to realize that as they become an as a service provider, they are actually becoming a service operator. So I say to many of these executives that are embracing as a service, who do you think owns things like incident management on that solution, problem management, change, release, capacity, configuration management, those things all sound like managed services and the muscles required to be successful in as a service often reside in managed services organizations. So I really challenge our listeners to stop thinking about these things as separate lines of businesses, but very much related. I call them sister offerings. And, and in many cases, they're unified solutions. And so when you think about those kinds of growth rates outpacing the cloud, the beautiful thing is that these solutions are much more profitable than cloud solutions. If you look at the cloud 40, over the past five, six years, the profitability has wavered at the NOI level of around negative three to negative 8%. In fact, there was only one quarter I can remember where OI was at 0%. And that is not an option for our companies that have been operating at healthy margins for a long period of time. And so think about that. It is your path to profitable growth. Amen. I mean, I mean again, what you're saying there is there's real top line growth here in these managed offers and there there is real profitability here in, in compelling managed offers. So so tech companies that are growing and capturing market share are doing that by growing as a service revenue streams. Period full stop. So so let me close this session by setting up the, we would like to do these big questions. So here's the big question uh, for today. And then in, in the setup here I want to tell you about a podcast I heard a couple of years ago, and it was um, Ed Bastian. He's the CEO of Delta Airlines. And this is 2019, pre-COVID. He's being interviewed by Kai Rizdell, who's the host of Marketplace. And, you know, the airline industry has been hyper-competitive, red ocean for years. So, so Kai asked the following question, right, to, to the CEO of Delta. I assume growth is pretty hard to come by these days. And, and Bastian, he quickly replies and he says, look, you know, companies that are not growing are in slow motion liquidation. We are committed to be a growing company. And, and that really stuck with me. So, so I think the big question for, for our listeners today, is your company in slow motion liquidation? If the answer is yes, your company should be aggressively pursuing new as a service revenue streams. And with that, we wrap up the third episode of our 10-part series, The Have and Have Nots of the Technology Industry, brought to you by TSIA. Uh, the series will continue with our fourth episode when I speak with TSIA's Jeremy Delatese on the topic of signal liquidity. Cheers. Cheers.